Hi guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of By Pumpkin. It's the last day of Leo season, guys. The last day. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, which you might follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is OKThenPrincess. You may not have seen at the beginning of Leo season that I tweeted that one thing I always forget every year is that I am unfuckwittable during Leo season. Like you, it's things are just gonna work out for me during Leo season. I don't know why. I don't know if it's perception. I don't know if it's just this time of year and it has nothing to do with astrology. I just know that during Leo season, things will work out for me. Even if I can't see it working out for me at the time, I know that in the end, it's gonna work out for me. It's just how it is. I got crazy luck during Leo season. I find things on sale that I couldn't find at all, like the bike that I got. I, I just do, it just, things go well for me. Even like, so I don't know if I talked about this on the pod or if I've talked about this on phone calls or if I've been texting it or tweeting it. I don't know, I talk too much. So I'm just gonna go ahead and talk about it. If you've already heard this, just skip over it. About a week ago, by the time you hear this, it'll be almost two weeks, my truck broke down while I was on my way to Chipotle and just died in the middle of the street, which is, and I was just, it just died well enough for me to get off to a side street and kind of park it. I mean, it really just stopped. And thank God I was close to the side of the street. I was on the, it's going the wrong way, but close to the side of the street. So it looked like it was kind of parked. I need that truck. It's the only thing that fits all my children in it. <laughs> um, but even then I was like, you know what? It's Leo season, this will resolve itself, which is very unlike me to behave that way. Normally I'm like, ah, when things don't go according to my plans. Yeah, it's like, it'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And we did figure it out. Um, I t- we got it towed for free. Um, uh, luckily, my husband had added like roadside assistance to our insurance, and they took it to uh, the guy's shop that we use. And I mean, he had a family emergency, so he wasn't working. So it took him about five days to actually get to look at it. But then he said, bitch, this truck is done. It's over the Rainbow Bridge. He texts me on Monday. Um, I text my husband that it's done. And he, by the time he came home, he'd already been to one dealership. I'd already found some, some places that he needs to go on Craigslist. I'd sent him some links. That was Monday. Tuesday, he brought home a minivan. Listen, my husband's a cock blocker when it comes to minivans. I really needed a minivan, okay? I need a minivan. I have a bunch of kids. I need cup holders. I need a place to fit my purse. I need space. And I know there are people who don't think minivans are cool. That's fine. I've never been a cool person ever in my entire life. When I was 14, driving a minivan would have fit my persona. I'm just, I'm not a cool person, just not. So, and also, I don't give a fuck what people think about me. Not really. Like, <laughs> I care more about whether I come off the way I intend to rather than 
as long as I've done what I wanted to do and it's gone the way I intended to do, I really don't care what people think about me. So like if somebody saw me in a minivan, what am I gonna do? I love, until this truck, I had hoopties. Like I just drove whatever I wanted to. I, I don't care about cars, I really don't. But my husband, he didn't really want me to have a minivan. He's been fighting me and fighting me and fighting me on it. And I thought he was gonna like try to fight me when this happened. Because remember, I've been talking about I need a minivan for a while. And he didn't. And I, he really didn't like give me any trouble about it. I thought he was going to, but then he didn't. So on Tuesday, now keep in mind, we can't shop for cars together because we're in a pandemic. And the one person I trust to babysit during the pandemic, because she is keeping herself at home, was unavailable. So the fact is he had to go looking at vans for me and we had to do it piecemeal. So on Tuesday, he brought home a van, beautiful van, okay? It's a 2019, it's the nicest fucking van I ever, it's, a, it's the nicest car I've ever sat in, guys. The nicest fucking car. It is, in fact, when he opened the doors for me to sit in it, I, I thought it smelled too new. I didn't wanna get in it. I knew they wanted their new car, he was just test driving it. I knew they wanted their new car smell back. I didn't wanna get up in there and mess it up with my princess smell, but I did. And looked around. It's just, it's a very, very nice car. And um, on Wednesday, we bought it. It's, um, we got a very good deal on it. We paid a couple of thousand under what they want it for. And we got a very good interest rate on the financing. I'm very happy with this car. It's the nicest thing. Like I said, it's the nicest thing I've ever owned in my life. And um, it's got heated seats. I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do about that. What am I going to do with heated seats? I live in Central Texas. <sighs> So, but still, it's very nice. I love it. It fits the kids. And if the kids ever do get to go back to school, I can just hit a button and the door opens and they all can get out. I don't have to worry about, are they going to hit a car? I feel great. So I buy the car, you know, I get home, um, and out Saturday morning, which is the, this is Saturday evening when I'm, when I'm recording this, I got a little hung up this week. And so... At about 11 o'clock, my husband gets home from work and he walks in the house and says, everybody go to their rooms. Go to your rooms right now. Go to your rooms and close the doors right now. And I'm like, what is going on? I hear him. I'm like, the way it works when he comes in the house, like my bedroom is furthest away from the door. So I can hear him, but I can't see him yet. And he's just like, Tell all the kids, get in your rooms, get in your rooms, close the door. And I have the two toddlers in my bedroom with me because we're watching Hoarders and I'm cleaning. And he and he even comes, he's like, get, you guys, get in your room right now. Go in there and close the door. And they're just looking. First of all, they, they just looked at him and then they looked at me to check and see if they should do what he said, which might be a problem I need to address in the future. But I'm like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And he goes, I thought he had lost his job. I thought he was ill. I don't fucking know. He's such a fucking drama king. He, he, he's the type of person that comes to you, that calls you and goes, do you want the good news or the bad news? Why the fuck would you ask me that? Give me the bad news. Just say what it is right now. Say what it is. We're wasting, we're wasting valuable time with this little, let's make a deal shit you're doing to me. And so, <laughs> so he comes in and goes, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What are you, what's going on? And he goes, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, what? 
you need to tell me. Say it. Just spit it out. You don't even need to waste the time saying, I need to tell you something. Just say what it is. And he goes, I just hit your truck. Now, the truck he's talking, I think he's talking about the truck that died. Because the truck that died, we got towed back to the house. Um, we're going to do something with it. I just don't know yet. It's just, it's still registered. So it's like parked on the street. And I'm like, why would you hit it? And he goes, not, not the truck truck. The new truck, the white one. I was like, the minivan? The brand new one? It's not brand new, but it's fucking new to me. And, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, I hit it. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. And then he lists like 80 reasons why he thinks he hit it. All of which don't make any fucking sense. And I just fall to the floor. <laughs> Cause I'm a drama queen, okay? He's a drama king and I'm a drama queen. I just fall to the floor and I just bury my head in, into the covers of my bed and go, I don't wanna know, I don't wanna know. And he's like, go look. So I go out there and look. And he has indeed hit the bumper of my new van. I have a hard time with material things. I I think material things own you rather than you owning them. I, I. I've had, I've talked numerous examples here about thing of me having things that made me worry, that made me stress out, that brought more trouble with them. And so I just don't want to own a lot of things. And I certainly don't want to own a lot of nice things. And I'm already worried about this minivan. I'm worried something bad is going to happen to it. And then to find out that something bad happened to it while it was in my driveway is crazy. I don't know why he hit it. I mean, like I said, he's given a million reasons why it happened. Um, a little part of me thought he really did not want me to have this fucking minivan. But I actually don't. The more I think about that, the more I do not believe that's true. Because he was very proud to bring this, to be able to be like, you sent me looking at this thing, but I found a newer thing, a better thing that I can get a better price on. And this is something you really deserve. And I want you to have exactly what you want. And I want you to have something I want to get something for you that's worth something because I believe like this is very much how he's been talking about it. And he really, really wants me to have this. So I don't think he hit it on purpose because he hates minivans. That's just the first thing that came in my head. Um, the other thing is I was worried that he, maybe he was sleep driving. My husband has terrible sleep hygiene. Um, I don't know if you guys sleep hygiene makes it sound like, He's a stinky sleeper. It, sleep hygiene means like, how can I say that? If you follow good sleep practices um, and he just doesn't, I mean, he just goes until he falls. And when we, maybe 10, we've been married 13 years, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 12, gosh, it might actually, no, it might actually be 13. We might not have been married the last time we did this. Um, he would just, Work, 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 and not sleep for maybe two days, sometimes two and a half days. And and by not sleep, I mean he would sleep for maybe an hour. He would not go to sleep. He would just do little cat naps and until he fell out. And sometimes he'd be driving home from work in the morning. He worked at night then too. He's just a night worker. I don't know how I'm gonna get I don't know if that's ever gonna change. And he would sleep drive home. You know how sometimes you drive home and you cannot tell how you got there because your body just drives there? It was 
even more than that, that he didn't remember he, he didn't remember that he left work. He would kind of black in maybe, maybe blacking in and out is another thing, but he was asleep. I think he would kind of black in and be at home. And the last time he did it, or the last time I know that he did it, he got pulled over because he had taken the HOV lane, which was, it's not an HOV. This is in Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach, okay? So it's, the way the HOV lane works is it's not an HOV, it's a, it's not an HOV lane at a certain time. So he was coming home at a different time and he was used to being in the HOV lane. And it's, and it's an HOV lane that's not all the way to the left and it just stays there. It like, shoots off and takes you in a, like once you're in the HOV lane, you can't get out of it because it's separated from the rest of the highway. So he would, um, so he got pulled over there and he didn't wake up until the officer, like he even pulled over and everything. He didn't wake up till the officer tapped on his window for him to roll it down. Um, so it's not happened uh, lately, but I was worried maybe that's what happened is that he was sleep driving, which is, at that time, it was cr incredibly crazy to me and worrisome to me, but he hasn't done it in a while. What he has done, my husband sleep talks, but he has whole conversations, which is, I've talked about here before. It's real fucking annoying because he also has like tight eyes. I guess that's a way to describe them. They, his eyes, if he's lying in a certain way, his eyes look can be open, but look closed the, the way, you know, just the way he looks. Um, he also sleeps in odd positions because he doesn't have good sleep hygiene. He goes until he falls asleep. So sometimes like he could absolutely fall asleep standing at the counter. Absolutely. Um, and so, and also he's a really bad snorer. He has sleep apnea and yes, I know he needs a, a sleep mask, um, a CPAP, he doesn't want one. He, he doesn't care about breathing apparently, but because he has really, really bad sleep apnea, he snores badly. But if he, if he's positioned in just the right position, he doesn't snore. It's strange. So what'll happen is that I, I talked about this before. I walked into the bedroom recently and he asked me where I've been. I was like, fucking Chipotle. <laughs> I finished everything up. I went to Chipotle. I ate that. I watched TV and now I'm in here. And he goes, I know that you've been seeing someone. And I was like, what? Seeing a pretty people at Chipotle? And he was like, I know you've been seeing someone. I know that you have been uh, having an emotional affair, which should have clued me in right there. That's not a word. He, those aren't words he would use. But like, I start to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you have to give me an example of how, what evidence I've given you that I'm having an emotional affair with someone besides the people at Chipotle. And we had maybe a 10 minute conversation before I realized he was asleep. And I should have realized he was asleep because he would never start a conversation with me like that. He would never have an emotional conversation about his fears of me leaving him just straight out like that. He would never do it. So... That's the type of conversations he has with me when he's asleep. He's also a liar when he's sleeping. So if sometimes I'll wake him up for work or something else, mostly it's work. I'll wake him up and be like, hey, you know, it's time for you to get up. And he'll be like, okay, okay, okay. And he seems awake, but he's still asleep. And then he'll tell me something like, 
But you know what? I just talked to uh, this big boss. The big boss, the, you know, he sent me a text saying that I actually don't have to be in until this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go in later and then I'll work later. And then, and then I had a switch with his immediate supervisor. I got to switch with him because this thing's going on. You know, it's a big pain in the ass, but it's okay because I can sleep another hour. That is absolutely not true. He will wake up. Either I wake him up in an hour, he'll wake up a few minutes and go, what are you, why'd you let me sleep? And I'll be like, what are you talking about? We just had a conversation about how blah, 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 blah. He'll be like, that's not true. That I, I never said that. And I'll be like, you absolutely said that. And he's like, there's no way I would say that. That's impossible. His subconscious brain or his sleep brain was, had come up with a good lie about why I could stay sleeping. I'm not making this shit up. So I was worried he was sleep driving. He promises he wasn't. He really is. It really, the way our neighbor, our neighbor has, our across the street neighbor has a landscaping business. He also, so he has a very big truck, not like a, not a, a flatbed truck, not a pickup truck, a flatbed truck that he sometimes has. And sometimes what he does is he parks in front of his own, uh, driveway in the middle of the night, like when his wife is there already and they're going to sleep because he has to go to work early in the morning. And because it was parked that way, I guess my husband was having a hard time getting in. I don't fucking know. Also, my husband's a better driver. Guys, I'm not a good driver. I'm just not. I'm not one of those people that's like, let me drive. I'm a good driver. I got my license at 16. Um, a lovely Jamaican lady was my instructor at school. I did not know what the fuck she was saying the whole time. Her accent was thick and she was just always, she would, and then I got embarrassed because I didn't know what she was saying. So she would like tell me to do stuff and I try to guess what she was fucking saying. And it was never the right thing. I almost felt that shit, but I didn't have anything to drive until I was 21 and I bought my first car. And guys, you did not want to be around me when I got that first fucking car. Cause I used to, <laughs> I didn't know how to get anywhere unless it was the bus route. So people would be in the car and be like, girl, what are you doing? I'd be circling shit. <laughs> like, that's how you get here. You go up the street, you make a right, another right, another right, and then you go. <laughs> but I've only been driving since I was 21. I don't have a lot of confidence in my driving. I don't need to get anywhere fast <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and so, you know what I do? I stay in the fucking right lane. I mind my fucking business. If I need to drive slower, I do. If somebody needs to get around me, I let them. And that's it. I don't I don't parallel park because I don't know how. I don't back up anywhere unless it's out of a space. But if I can avoid backing up, I absolutely do. I don't back in anywhere for any reason whatsoever. And if I came home and it was hard for me to get into my driveway, I would just park on the street. I just be like, okay, I'll park in the street and I'll deal with this later. My husband is an excellent driver. He drove for a living for a while. He, I mean, he's really, he's a really good driver. Guess how many fucking accidents he's been in? A lot. And two of them was because he was looking at me. Because I was either telling a story or he wanted to talk to me and he was looking at me. I'm not lying. You know how I always say I hate how he looks, how he's always looking at me? That's part of the reason because I'm looking forward and going, I think this car is stopped. I think this car is stopped. I think this, this car is stopped. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I've never been in an accident. Oh, let me take that back. I, I've been in, someone rear ended me 
once when I was very ill. And, but I mean, I was in my truck and my truck's no, is, is no model. It's black. And also like it, it can take a licking and keep on kicking, you know? So it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, I don't care. So I've had that happen to me, but I've never, ever been in an a-, a real accident while I was driving. And it's because I'm all the way at the right lane. It's very easy for me to get on the shoulder. <laughs> That's where I, you're looking for me, look over to the right. That's where I am. <laughs> That's it. I don't try to, I don't try to pass anybody. Every now and then I try to pass somebody, but it's a very rare thing. I don't get mad at people going slow. I'm like, mm, they over here too. They must be want to go slow too. Just the slow lane. It's fine. <laughs> That's why. But he's but he's been in several accidents and uh now he's hit my he's hit his own car. I know another neighbor was outside when I went to go look mowing their lawn, and I know they said, Did that motherfucker just hit his own car? <laughs> it was so it was a it was a bumper thing. I took it to get an estimate today. And they were going to fix it this week, but my husband's a very handy person and fixed it. I don't know. He just did it. He made it happen. And because th- he was going to pay for it, <laughs> he was going to pay for it, not out of our joint, say our joint uh, checking account. He was going to pay for it out of any, out of his money, out of his side money that he makes. So he fixed it and it looks great and I'm happy and he should park on the street from now on. And also he should stop saying he's a better driver than me because I haven't had any tickets in a long time. I don't, <laughs> I used to get tickets all the time. I didn't get tickets all the time. I got a couple of tickets that snowballed and really fucked me over because I didn't have money to pay them. But other than that, I don't really get into too many problems. My husband's had a car set on fire once and he lost his favorite Yankees hat in it. And he loves a Yankees cap. And he, and he had a car set on fire before. So I think he should stop saying is he, he's the better driver because is he? Is he? And I also think since he's the only person I've never been able to sleep train, I also think that he he should let me try to sleep train him because he really needs more sleep. Sleep can kill you. Uh, tired driving is like just as bad as drunk driving. And he's promising me he's that hasn't been doing that. Like when he gets home normally, he's up. It's not, it wasn't like it was 13 years ago when he would get home and I would be, and he would be like out of it. He, he's not like that now. So maybe he wasn't sleep driving. It's just, it, that's the second thing that popped in my mind and scared the fuck out of me. Although maybe three, maybe four years ago, um, I was somewhere and my husband called me because he used to get home. At that point, he was he was on a different shift. He was getting home at like 6 a.m. He might have got home at like 7 a.m. And I was off doing something. I wasn't home and neither were the kids. So it was like three years ago. And he goes, so when I got home this morning, I was like, bullshit, you weren't in that house when I got when I woke up? He goes, let me finish. When I got home this morning, apparently I sat in the car for an extra minute and fell asleep inside the garage. He was... The reason I didn't see him is because his car was inside the garage when I left and he was asleep in there. The car wasn't on, but he had turned off the car and was like, you know, sometimes we lived on the third floor at the time. So he was like, not looking forward to walking up three flights of stairs, but you know, sometimes you just kind of sit for a second and go, you're just tired. And so you sit for a second, he fucking fell asleep. 
Yeah. So I think he should let me sleep train him. I think he should get more sleep. I think he should listen to me when I tell him he needs to go to sleep, but he's also a grown man. So and I just think he's, she should park on the car. And I knew this was going to happen because Virgo season starts tomorrow. And I know for a fact that during that Leo season, you cannot fucking touch me. Everything works out in my favor. During Virgo season, it's the come down. The universe is no longer shining on me. And once again, next year, I will forget about this all together. I will, it'll be the beginning of, um, July and I will not even realize that in just a couple of weeks my life is gonna be like beautifully everything works on my favor the sun shining down on me everything I will not remember until Leo season starts then I will have the time of my life and then immediately after it it will suddenly feel cold and dark like I'm in a an alley somewhere and and there's no God. And I know that's Virgo season. <laughs> so this is a good place for me to remind you of a couple of things. One, that if you like listening to this podcast, if you like living, listening to me talk for 25 minutes about um, how I believe Leo season is kind to me and how my husband hit my new car four days after I got it, make sure that you leave me a five-star review. Please do. It's easy. It's free. Just leave one. Go ahead. Do it. You can also follow me at OKThenPrincess on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at BuyPumpkinPodcast on Instagram. And if you like the stuff you hear on this main feed episode, there are bonus episodes over at the Patreon. It's at patreon.com backslash buypumpkin. And there are different tiers. You can either choose a monthly bonus episode or a weekly bonus episode. I did. I recently did an episode on abducted in plain sight. I also did one on mob wives. I've done my true life series so far. I'm doing that weekly. I did one on being a financial dominatrix. I did one on being hooked on Molly in which Liz Bentley joined me for. So there's good content over there. I'm probably going to do a Princess Diaries episode sometime next week because I got some personal shit to, to work out. And <laughs> sometimes talking about it into a mic helps me figure this shit out. So go join. There's extra content over there. And, you know, you're supporting me. You're helping me keep the podcast going. You're helping me make it worth my while to be recording these episodes. You're helping me... Not get this new car repossessed. <laughs> it's not going to get repossessed. But you're helping me. You really are helping me by doing that. We also do a cool thing where we donate to a worthy cause every month. Yeah, your money goes somewhere. So yeah, dude, 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 dude. Sign up, okay? Patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. So let's get into this week's episode. We're half an hour in. Let's Let's get to it. Um, we're doing episodes seven, excuse me, six and seven, which six is on, um, YouTube, but seven is not. I had to go to daily motion and I actually had to watch ads and I hated myself for doing that. Um, <laughs> it's called operation playmate and just shoot me. Now, the first episode operation playmate is about operation playmate. And what that is, is the girls at the, at the mansion, 
the girlfriends and some of the people, the playmates that have been in the, the magazines, um, send care packages to active duty military. And I'm assuming not just active duty military, uh, deployed military, even though in this episode, they send the care package to Bridget's brother who is not deployed if he's at, uh, fuck, I forgot the name of that base so fucking fast. I've been to Fayetteville so many fucking times, but yeah. But I guess that's just for the show. But in real life, they do, they send pictures, they autograph them. Um, I guess the pictures aren't nude because I didn't see any and I don't know why they wouldn't show us if they were. Um, they bake cookies and send them over there and like write little emails and stuff like that. Okay. Um, sure. I don't, I, <laughs> I feel like Whenever I start talking about the military, it seems like I am anti-military or disillusioned with the military. And I guess that's right. I, I just, and I'm, listen, I'm sure the letters make a difference. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I'm not like downing their, their, I'm not downing this, this project that they have. I'm really not. I'm just like also not super impressed by it. <laughs> not super impressed that they're making like penis cookies and sending them over. I'm not impressed by it. Um, but the pictures, one like important note of what they do with this is they take pictures in the military bunny suits. Now, Holly tells us about the difference between a centerfold or playmate versus a bunny. A centerfold, a playmate, is someone who is in the magazine. They do pictorials, they might be on the cover, they might not be, those, they're magazine girls. By the way, have we talked about how nasty the word playmate is for this? Ugh. gross. But a bunny is, some, is a girl who used to, well, it first start. It first referred to the girls who used to work in the Playboy clubs, which don't exist anymore. So, bunnies are girls who who do promotional things, and there's a whole like orientation about how you gotta stand, about how you can act when you're in the bunny costume because you're representing Playboy. Like I said, there are times when it sounds like Playboy is a demented sorority. Partially because that's the way it was built to be. It's about the college student, the fresh-faced girl in the with the freshman brochure that just got on campus. It's that. And so they do the sorority type stuff all the time. But one thing to remember about these military bunny costumes is that, one, they're kept under lock and key. Um, they are vintage, right? So they're made for someone who doesn't have fake boobs and a butt because that's not what was going on back when the, um, when the uh, Playboy, Playboy clubs were uh, in fashion or open, excuse me. So you have to go to this special black lady. I forgot her name. I just know she's black and she's one of the few black women I ever see on this show. So the special black lady who is in charge of the bunny costumes, they don't lend them out for, for Halloween. They only lend them out to very specific people and people who have gone through the orientation. 
So, <laughs> oh, and also you need to know how to do the bunny dip, which is how the drinks were served in the bunny co- in the in the uh, Playboy clubs. It doesn't look very different than how you serve drinks. Um, there are a couple of different ways you should be serving drinks um, or any food that doesn't involve you bending over people, reaching over people. Um, but the bunny dip is kind of just going sideways and putting your, it's, I don't know, it's nothing special. And you also know how to, need to know how to do the bunny hop, which you probably know if you've been to any white person's wedding in forever. Now, one thing we need to remember about this bunny costume is that Kendra doesn't like wearing it. Kendra never wears the bunny costume, ever. Or she might've done it one time. She talks about it in her book. Um, she just thinks it's stupid. <laughs> I also think she's probably turned off by how old they are and how many people have been wearing them. I think Kendra might be one of those people. Um, or she might not be, she's got a filthy room. Maybe she doesn't care about shit like that. By the way, I've been watching Hoarders, a lot of Hoarders. I, I've, I've forgotten that, uh, which I used to love hoarders and watching 10 minutes of hoarders will get you to in the cleaning mood right the fuck away. Um, my little seven year old bunny. <laughs> it's funny. Her name is bunny and I'm, and I'm doing this series, um, is, it's not a real name by the way. It's just what she likes to be called. Bunny loves to watch hoarders with me. She calls it the messy show. I tried to tell her it was hoarders and she's calling it horticultural. And she's not pronouncing correctly, just like me. And so, <laughs> but um, she loves to watch it. And I'm remembering that that is how I started loving all the dark-sided shit I love. And it's because I used to read over mom, my mom's shoulder and read the National Enquirer. And she would pass over her star magazines once she was done with them. She and I would read them. I used to stay up and watch the TV movie of the week. Um, I remember watching I Know My Name is Steven with her. And like we would watch America's Most Wanted together and all the Lifetime movies and shit like that. I would, I would sit by her as she watched her soap operas. And part of it is I just want to be around my mom. Um, we're really good friends now, but... There was a time when I can't remember where, like I said, we've had like really hard uh, relationship times together. And as the older I got, the less I wanted to be around her. But I was very small. I wanted to always be around my mother. Maybe I didn't want to talk to her, but I certainly did not want to be outside of a home that she was in. I really wanted to be near her. And so, yeah, I'd love to go in my mom's room as she lay in the bed and watched her soap operas that she taped while she was at work. And I just sit there. Maybe I'd bring a doll. Maybe I'd uh, bring a book in there with me, but I would just sit and I'd like absorb things. I'd listen to her talk on the phone and gossip about people. And this is how I started, this is how things like Intervention, uh, Law and Order SVU, uh, all the crime shows that I love. This is how I got involved with those things because my mom was. My mom, I never forget, my mom like read all these Donald Goins book and like the the names would be like son of a crack whore and stuff like that and we'd just be sitting side by side reading our books so maybe bunny's gonna be like that one day too maybe she's gonna be like 
you know, the first time I saw, uh, the first time I saw abducted in plain sight, it was in little snippets as I walked in my mom's room <laughs> trying to see what she was doing. Maybe that's what she's going to be like. Maybe I should stop that shit right now. <laughs> but anyway, I've been watching hoarders and we need to talk about the idea that somebody who is poor and doesn't have the resources, i.e. staff, money, that sort of thing, to catalog and display things properly is a hoarder, but somebody like Hef is a collector. Somebody like a Tori Spelling is a collector. Well, later she'd come, but Candy Spelling, we'll do that because Tori doesn't have any money. Candy Spelling is a collector, you know, because they have the money for the upkeep, for the storage, for the for someone to go through it and make it look all nice on the shelves and shit like that. So, but it's still the same compulsion to get things, to have things, to buy things, to never let go of anything because you never know when you might need it. Hef compulsively recorded his life, his the goings on in the mansion. Like I said, he would write a letter and put a copy of it in a scrapbook somewhere. He scrapbooked like, your mom's best friend from sixth grade. He scrapbooked. One of the reasons I do not scrapbook <laughs> is because I think I might like it too much. It's the same reason I don't do heroin. <laughs> because I know I probably really like it. And so <laughs> I don't want to get involved in that because I don't want that to be my lifestyle. It was too late for half. He's, he's scrapbooking it up. Anyway, so the the reason I was thinking about hoarders is because I was thinking about Kendra's room. <laughs> um... So Kendra, like, well, before we talk about Kendra in the bunny costume, there's a scene where Kendra's like downstairs at the butler's um, pantry. I call it the butler's pantry. What is it? It's the, it's the kitchen, right? She's downstairs at the butler's and with Destiny, her hip hop home girl. And she is asking for fried chicken and ice cream. And she's squirting whipped cream on them. And a thought ran through my head as I was watching this. Do you think they like her? Do you think they think she's funny? And that, do you think when she comes down there, they go, oh, Kendra's coming? Or do you think they go, Kendra's coming? Is she... Is she really, like Sonia said, is she really like Annie where everyone, where she's a joy and everyone thinks she's so spunky and cute? Or is she like the boss's daughter um, in a certain way where you kind of have to just tolerate her? And the fact that she's squirting whipped cream on you as you're trying to figure out what kind of fried chicken she wants. And you're like, I do not have time for this. There, you are not the only guest here because keep in mind, there's always guests at the mansion, people shooting, uh, playmates coming back for promotions and things like that. And then there's Hef. And what if, what if there's only so much staff? I can't imagine they have 20, like 20 people down there working. There might be five probably. But what if like you have like some shit to do? You have like, you have work to do and Kendra's down there talking to you about a San Diego waffle. And you're like, do you want the waffle or not? Or like, how do I get this done? 
you know, this goes back to my serving days where I just had like a really shitty attitude. But part of the problem is that people come into hospitality places, whether that's for dinner or for bar drinks or whatever, and they think that you working is the same as them partying, right? So they think you should be excited for what? For, for like, I'm at work, motherfucker. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm at work. And you, like, acting like, and you being on vacation or having a night out is cool, but I'm not. And and so they kind of want you to match that attitude. You kind of have to try to. You kind of have to try to. And so, I don't know. Imagine working at the mansion. Um, this is, they hopefully this is your one job, but you got to come in here and you got to figure it out and you got to make things work. And, and they expect perfection. Like that head guy keeps saying you get what you, you, they get what they want. And so sometimes there's some pressure on you to make things happen. And here's Kendra, baby girl, Kendra down here squirting fucking whipped cream. Maybe I'm overthinking this. I just know that if I were down there like doing laundry or various things, I'd just be like, what, man? What? Go play somewhere else. (laughs) Go play somewhere else. I have to do this. I'm not allowed to play with you. And so I wonder what it's like with Kendra when the cameras aren't there. Like, how do people react to her? And do they fucking hate her? Oh, I also want to talk about the cookies that they make for those, um, for the, uh, deployed people. Um, they're making, this is absolutely a Holly and Bridget type of thing to like want to make 6,000 cookies and pack them up and do like, this is like Holly and Bridget are definitely a PTA mom type person, you know? You have to be a specific type of person to do that. Someone who likes to be in the company of other women, someone who likes to make decorations, someone who's who gets excited about holidays and who really cares about, you know, what the Valentine Graham situation is going to be this year. That type of person. A joiner is, is, is kind of how I describe them. Um, and I don't know that Kendra's that. In fact, let me stop lying. Kendra isn't that. And so, like, when she's talking about she's not really good at making cookies and she made a couple of cookies and that they were basketball or baseball shape and football shape, I'm like, Kendra, that sounds a lot like a circle. Even the football is kind of a circle except for you take off a little bit of it. Like, I don't know if that was... So anyway, I imagine that Bridget and Holly get together and and decide all these things they're going to do. And that then they go and talk to Kendra about it. And Kendra's like, yeah, yeah, what? You're making like a six million cookies. You want me to come down there and shape cookies and decorate them? Okay. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's just an observation I had. So when they're putting on, so they, they want to put on the military bunny costumes to take pictures to put into the care packages. I'm just being honest. If I got a care package with some pictures of some bitches <laughs> and some fucking cookies that you sent far fucking away and they're stale by now because I know you guys don't know how to package them right and they're shaped like boobs, I would be like, what the fuck is this, man? 
you know, women serve in the military too. And maybe some of those women would really love to get a boob cookie. Maybe I don't speak for all women. Fine. <laughs> but I would certainly be like, I could use a care package that has useful things in it. <laughs> useful things. Like in 2005, maybe one with a disposable camera in it. Um, Cause you know, camera phones are kind of bullshit. I mean, they, they were around, but they were just kind of bullshit. I don't know, like maybe food I wanted to eat. I'm not saying I wouldn't want to eat those penis cookies or whatever, but I, I just feel like this is like a piss poor uh, care package. So maybe they didn't give us like the whole thing. Maybe there's like merch in there or something. I don't, even then I don't really want merch. I, whatever. They probably loved it. Everyone was like, the Playboy uh, care packages are here. Woo. I don't know. Um, so anyway, they get into the, they want to take pictures with the bunny suits. And uh, the bunny suits are small. They're meant for a specific type of girl. And uh, again, go back and listen to Troy's episodes on Hef because he talks about the, the, the Playboy clubs. And so these modern girls are having a hard time fitting in. Actually, no, they aren't. Holly is, I, we, I just talked about this. Holly is impossibly skinny. She is so fucking skinny. She fits in it just fine. Um, Bridget finds a way. Um, there's a girl, Audra, who's going to be in it and she doesn't fit and it might be boobs. It might be, it might be, she's just like a taller girl. Like she's, you know, I don't know how tall she is, but it doesn't seem it's, I want to be clear. The reason she doesn't fit in it isn't because she's fat. You know what I'm saying? And even if she was, the reason she doesn't fit is because the garment is not made to fit her, not because her body, something's fucking wrong with her body. In fact, Audra has a beautiful body as far as I can concern and not like, I mean, sure, everyone's body's beautiful, but I'm going to say hers is a conventional, beautiful body. Like, I don't know anybody that would be upset to have her body. And so for her to not fit in it and she's got, she's got to get the butlers to come up to kind of push her into it. Holly's pushing one side, the butlers are pushing the other side and zip and trying to zip her up. She's holding on to the bedpost and they finally get her on there. And she looks misshapen as soon as she gets it on. I don't even know how she could breathe. And <laughs> so they call Kendra and ask her to be in the, in the photo shoot. And Bridget and Holly are like, well, Kendra hasn't been through the orientation, but I know I would love for her to be in there. And it's such an honor. <laughs> That's Bridget. It's such an honor. And so they call Kendra and Kendra's like, comes over there and she sees that they're like stuffing Audra in it. And she's like, do I need, can I get ready in my room or do I have to get ready in here while they're stuffing Audra in it? And, and Holly's like, well, you can put it, well, you're going to need someone to help you. And so Kendra says she's going to go put it on and then like come back to get someone to zip it up. When she comes back, she's like, no, nah, I don't really, I don't have to do this right. <laughs> she just looked at it and was like, no, I don't want to. Even in her book, she doesn't really say why she doesn't want to. She just didn't, she just didn't want to wear it. 
And Holly's like, it's okay. You don't have to wear it. I'll wear it if you don't want to wear it. And then Holly gets in and gets ready. And like I said, they are, they just don't even understand why Kendra would not want to wear it. Why Kendra would not want to be the one who, uh, would not want to be a part of this. It's such a part of a history guys. Kendra doesn't even know how old Hef is. I bet you, she didn't know how old Hef was like ballpark. She probably knew, but I don't think she knew how old he was. I don't think Kendra knew playboy history. I don't think, I mean, I'm sure Kendra thought the playboy brand was cool and like being in the magazine was cool, but but like she couldn't pass a test. Like when we watched Cheer, a documentary on Netflix, and part of being on the team was you had to know your history. You had to know who threw the tumble, the last tumble pass on this winning year and shit like that. I'm sure Playboy has something like that where the girls sit around going, and who was the first one to do this? And who was Playmate of the Year in 1976? Like shit like that. And I'm sure Kendra does not give a fuck. I wouldn't either. I think this is one of the reasons I keep saying why Kendra's a favorite. I Kendra was one of the fan favorites. She got the most laughs and people would be like, what about that Kendra? Because she just was crazy and also relatable because who the fuck cares? Um, so... This is the part in the episode where Bridget and her sister, Anastasia, who's, remember, she's there for the summer, fly to Fayetteville to hand deliver the care package to her brother. This is absolutely for the show. It cannot be for any other reason because it seems like they were there for one day just to film this and do it. So they get there. Um, <laughs> I guess he's in the barracks. The barracks is where you live on base if you don't live in housing which is reserved for families like single people don't live in base housing usually i'm sure there's some exceptions but it's just not usually how it goes and the barracks are for singles when the towards the end of his career my dad got stationed in maryland and we were still living in virginia and my mom was like you only have like two years left we are not moving to maryland and so he went to maryland by himself and he lived in the barracks at first, um, and he couldn't stay there because he was in his 40s or about to be 40, and it was full of 20-year-old guys, 19-year-old guys, and he couldn't stay there because he was like, it's loud and dirty and no. And it's not that I've never been to barracks, right? You can go to barracks if you want to. Like they, sometimes you can have visitors. It just depends on where you are and depends on what the rules are there. There's like common rooms and shit. And you can even go in people's rooms. It really depends on, it just depends. <laughs> but um, it just depends. I, I don't know why I laugh like that, but it just does. But apparently Bridget was gonna go to the barracks to do, to give him the care package and wear her bunny suit and everything. And she said the last minute it got scrapped. I'll tell you why it got scrapped. She wanted to record there. And I don't know that necessarily had permission to record there. I bet there was all kinds of questions about them going on base. Mm -hmm. um, this is post 9-11. Um, there's always been, like getting on base has always been a thing. Don't get me wrong. And it can be lax depending on where you are. If you're at a smaller base, I, um, 
spent the end of elementary and all of middle school at a weapons base uh, off of uh, off near the border of Virginia and Maryland. And I got on off that base all the time. Like the guy at the front desk, at the front desk, the, the, a lot of times the person at the front gate was my dare officer. And I, I had my ID too, but, and they could, if I did not have my military ID on me, they could have easily told me, take my bike and kick rocks, okay? But a lot of times they're just like, all right, come on, princess, let's go. <laughs> and they just wave me in. Um, getting on like NOB in Norfolk is a different story, okay? A big different story. Um, I've gotten on base without my ID plenty of times. I've got, and once I was too old to have a military ID because I was no longer a dependent, I've gotten on base without my ID plenty of times. Post, pre and post 9-11, but post 9-11 when I was in Norfolk, um, it, it was very difficult to say the least. So it was very difficult to get on without proper documentation. And they were also pulling like every third car or every uh, fourth car sometimes to pull you off to, um, to search you. So I'm imagining Bridget and Anastasia coming to the gate with the camera crew and the production and them being like, what? <laughs> you gonna what? Where? Why? <laughs> oh. I can see them calling on their radios. <laughs> I can see the whole fucking thing. I can see the whole fucking thing. Um, and maybe, I mean, they could have gotten, it's possible um, there was, the brother could have come up and brought them on maybe in some, but the filming of all this is probably what means what it means that they can't do it there. So they go to some restaurant that's probably not on base. And uh, I mean, I guarantee you it's not on base. And, they film there and he, they give him the care package. She's wearing her suit. Um, I'm going to tell you, Bridget's brother seems like, Bridget's brother seems like he doesn't give a fuck. He seems embarrassed by Bridget. And not in the like, I don't know, not in the like she's a stripper in Reno, embarrassed. Um, not that there's anything embarrassed about being a stripper in Reno, but you know what I'm saying? If you're a certain type of person, and although there's lots of not conservative people in the military, the military in general is conservative. And the people that you will be around, lots of people who want to join the military have a conservative streak to them at the very least, even if they're not conservative politically. But um, political conservatives usually like big militaries and the military loves political conservatives. That's just how it works. And so I can imagine that uh, Bridget's brother is, I don't know, I think he's a little embarrassed about Bridget, especially that she's wearing this bunny costume, especially that you guys have flown to Fayetteville for one day, it seems like. Correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't read Bridget's book. Bridget's book sounds boring. I, I still don't even know if she really has a book, but I didn't read it. <laughs> but if she did, I'm not gonna read it. And But it seems like for one day, she went in. And, and to present him with this box of cookies and pictures of herself and sign pictures of herself. And that seems weird. It seems weird. It would have seemed weird if it got mailed there, but pictures of herself in like sexy outfits, 
Not that that bunny costume is super sexy, but I mean, it's meant to be, it's meant to represent a certain type of um, beauty and sexuality and stuff. And so it's weird to get it when it's your brother. And and I think he felt weird about the whole thing. He, he seemed like he was tolerating her. Anastasia didn't say anything. And his friends came over to, I'm sure he invited some people over to be on the camera too. And it was whatever. Back at the mansion, it's 4th of July and they're doing the slip and slide down the rolling like hill lawn of the mansion. Um, it's so, it, it looks dangerous. <laughs> looks like it should be in a water park. It looks like that ride at Schlitterbahn <laughs> that cut somebody's head off. And so <laughs> it's, towards the end of the slip and slide, they have to have a, they have a tarp where they catch you because you might go into the street or something. <laughs> um, so they're doing that. Kendra's really happy. She likes food, fireworks, and fucking. Again, there is a reason Kendra was so fucking popular. Hef is the only private owner in the area that, that can do fireworks. Um, so he has fireworks on the lawn. Oh, one thing I want to point out. Kendra's body is crazy. And she has this tiny uh, American flag bikini. Her body is crazy. Shit. <laughs> Oh, um, she should be very proud of it. Um, oh, and the fireworks make Bridget cry because she thinks of everyone serving in the military. Bridget is the most boring person on earth. I, Bridget is so fucking boring. I can't imagine sitting next to her. Maybe I'm jaded. Like I said, there's on so many bases. I fucked so many military dudes. <laughs> I, I just, I'm very, it's, it's something that's in... Uh, many of my family members serve parents and uncles and grandparents and my father served, my stepfather served, brothers serve, one still serving right now. And, and I've just fucked, like, I've just been through every single branch of the military. And I've, I'm just, maybe I'm just jaded by it all. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just really fucking jaded. And I can't imagine sitting next to Bridget and her looking at fireworks and a little tear goes to her eye. She's like, I'm just thinking of all the servicemen. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, they don't have to do these fucking fireworks. <laughs> Think more about when you're filling up your gas tank, bitch. That's what, <laughs> that's what they're fighting for. Oil. <laughs> um, so that's the end of the first episode. Um, next episode is, what was it called again? Just shoot me. It's where they get to do their photo shoot. And I think it's the more interesting of the two of these. Um, everyone's nervous, you know, because they never thought they were going to be on the magazine. Like I said, Hef holds that back from them now. It's one of his perks that he holds over his head, uh, over everyone's head. And um, so they're just really excited. Everyone's getting ready. They're taking showers. They're talking. They're like, oh, my God, today's the day. Then we cut to Kendra, who's in the pantry. I think she's wearing sunglasses, eating Cheez-Its. <laughs> And trying to get chicken fingers. Ugh, Kendra. Um, and she's just happy it's happening at the mansion so she doesn't have to get ready in early. Um, so when we look at this, there are small things I want to pay attention to. The fact that Holly's the one who chose the photographer, who requested the photographer. The photographer is someone who's big at Playboy, who's who shot numerous people and seems to... And seems to, to Holly to care the most about how 
she's going to look on camera. She didn't mention it. I think she said, here's the most about how I'm going to look on camera. And so she requested this photographer. Photographer matter. The photographer matters in these shoots and chemistry with them and how they want you to look. And, and the fact that Holly is the one who requested it is a big deal. The fact is, is that even though Holly is the one with no room, the one that's being controlled the, more, the most, the one who's in the worst relationship, she does also have swing there. Just because she has to also babysit the little sister doesn't mean that like, she makes a lot of decisions. She is the head girl. She's the one that's been around the longest. She's seen a lot of people come and go. And she's got Hef's ear in a way that Bridget doesn't. And I'm not, I'm not, I specifically said Bridget because she's the Jan Brady of this trio here. And Kendra's the baby and, you know, but Bridget's the middle sister. And Holly's got more pull. And in a certain ways, Kent, she has more pull than Kendra too because she knows half better. She knows she knows where the pitfalls are. Um, and like like I said, she gets to pick the photographer. Um, her so they do individual pictures and they do the 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 big ones together. And they didn't really choose like when I watched this the first time. I don't know why, but I kind of felt like they had chosen their individual pictures. I felt like they've been given input and stuff, but that's not true. They're not, fuck, what is it called? The art director on this shoot, they're not. There are lots of people there in, this is an important shoot because it's being shown on the show. Um, it will be the girl's debut. Um, so it will coincide with uh, kind of the, I think, it, I think it ends up coinciding with the debut of the show. And so it's a big deal. And so they didn't decide their individual setups. Maybe they talked to them a little bit about it, but they didn't have any real power in it. And they didn't get paid. Um, excuse me. At first, they weren't going to get paid. And then they realized they had to pay them. And they paid them the $20,000 that you give a an unknown girl who's going to be in the shoot. They're, they weren't treated like celebrities. They weren't given that fee. Um... I believe Holly was talking about how reality TV stars at the time, Laura might get like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars, depending on how popular they were. Um, celebrities could rank much higher depending on how famous they were. And they got paid like nobody girls from Nebraska that did a tryout and have like the picks. Um, so Holly's is kind of walking up the, walking up the, the, uh, staircase and she's naked and she's, you know, I mean, obviously she's naked. She's in Playboy and she's like sliding down the staircase and stuff like that. Um, she does mention that she has the same feeling that everyone else says that they have is that when you first start, you're a little nervous to take off your, your robe. You're a little nervous to just, cause it's not just about being naked. Okay. By the way, these women have nothing to worry about about being naked. All of them are beautiful. All of them have banging bodies. All of them have bodies that millions of women would like to have, okay? They're beautiful girls. But like I've mentioned before, if you have always been a beautiful girl, one of the most beautiful girls you've known in your life, there is an insecurity that comes with that, that, that you have to stay beautiful and that, okay, how am I in regards to this one? What a... You know, am I gaining weight? Am I losing weight? Is my butt shaped like, like that is 
I compared it to being a gifted child. I was a gifted child. I mean, turns out like, here's the thing. I wasn't fucking gifted. I was anxious and I was trying to prove my worth to adults. I wasn't necessarily gifted, but that's the way, that's the track I was put on as a child. And like my grades were really important to me and, um, extracurriculars were really important to me in a way that they might not have been had people not been telling me I was smart since I was in the first fucking grade. And, and so a lot of my, as I talk about, like a lot of my anxiety does not revolve around the way I looked. I never thought I was going to be good looking. I never thought I was going to be hot. I've never been hot. So why would I be upset that I'm not looking hot? By the way, when I bought that new car, they took a picture of me in front of it and then they had the nerve to send it to me. I look like a hot cup of pudding. I looked <laughs> shitty. <laughs> I almost sent back a text saying, can you please get this hate crime off my phone? It was terrible. But obviously I saw something I didn't like there, but it wasn't like, Oh no, what will I do now? Because it's, it's never been a part of what makes myself worth. And so, but if I had gotten like an F on something, I certainly, if I even gotten a C on something, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on with me? I'm losing it. <laughs> so, so I can see how they have lots of insecurities around, even though, like I said, I can't imagine very many women who would not trade bodies with them in a fucking heartbeat. So it's like Holly was saying, it's, it's, it's the beginning is hard because you're completely naked, even though you're beautiful, even though they're there, you I mean, they're there to do, to, to make you look good too. Like if you look bad, the magazine's going to look bad. They're not going to try to make you look bad, but there's also the dynamic of the fact that you're the only person naked. And all these other people who are professionals, they see it all the time. They're not staring at you. They're not like, hey, hey, hey. you know, you, that would be ridiculous. But they're all clothed. <laughs> you know what I mean? They all have their clothes on and you're very vulnerable, especially at the beginning. But like Holly says, towards the end, you, you've, I mean, you've been in all these different positions and you're working. And so you get very comfortable. But she does mention that Hef does not like her to walk through that, to be naked in the house. That Hef is a little bit more old fashioned than you might think he might be. And Holly, I gotta tell you, the reason Hef doesn't want you to wander around the house naked is because he owns you and he owns your nakedness and he owns your body. And so he does want you to be naked, but he wants you to be naked at his behest and for his benefit, not... It's like you walking around the house naked and free and enjoying yourself is a little too much for him. He wants you to be naked for his means and pleasure, not for your own. Um, and then we'll talk about this when we get to Kendra. So Kendra's shoot focuses on like her sportiness. Cause remember they literally made boil them down in the spice girl names <laughs> And Kendra is Sporty Spice. So they have her in front of jerseys. They got her with a sports hat of some sort on. It's probably cocked to the side because they want to show that she's, you know, she's down with the blacks. And so... <laughs> and, um, so, um, what she's not wearing is her grills. Remember when Kendra used to wear grills? She's... 
she was in good company at the time. White people used to wear, especially, listen, me and Sonia talked about this last week, about how um, that appropriation of ghetto, thug, pimp culture, hip-hop culture looked very good on someone like Kendra. And it went down very easy in 2005 on someone like Kendra. And do you remember when Brooke Hogan had them when she did a song with Paul Wall? Remember that? Like, people... It, it was a thing for white girls. I think Paris Hilton had, had grills to have these very thug culture. I almost would say it was, it was extremely Southern culture, Southern hip hop culture. I, I'm not saying that, that your West Coast and your East Coast rappers and hip hop artists didn't have grills. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that this is something that was very much your Houston, your Atlanta's, your uh, Memphis. This is this was their thing that creep, crept over into other uh, areas of hip hop and then to mainstream, just like Bling Bling is, was invented by Cash Money and specifically Lil Wayne. Um, he said it in, I forget the fucking name of the song, and it grew, it spread throughout Southern hip hop, through mainstream hip hop, through, and then it got to mainstream media and then they killed Bling Bling. <laughs> but that is, but that Bling Bling is a, was in your teeth, was in your, was on your wrist, was on your neck. Um, and especially on your teeth if you were a Southern rapper. Um, but yeah, she's not wearing her grill. She, I, she really, this first season, she's definitely sporty spice, but the thug spice doesn't happen a little bit until season two and three. They really get into that. That's when she's ghost riding the whip and shit like that. Um, you know, Kendra's did well. She said she's a little nervous, but she's also like sitting there with her robe on going, I need to get naked. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe she smoked some weed and, and felt better. Um, Bridget did like a schoolgirl bedroom theme, kind of like a cheerleader with the pigtails and whatnot. You know, just gross. And <laughs> Anastasia is watching the whole time. Um, okay, so I've decided Anastasia was eighteen. I've decided that. I that's what I choose to believe because she can't be sixteen or seventeen. I've decided that. They would not let a 16, 17 year old stay at the mansion for the summer. I've decided that a 16, 17 year old would not be invited down, invited to the room to watch her sister do her nude photo shoot. I've decided that that wouldn't happen. Is that true? I don't fucking know. She's gotta be 18. I feel like production wouldn't have wanted her, wouldn't have done so many shots of her watching the photo shoot if she wasn't 18 years old. So I've decided she's 18 and that's all I'll, that's all I'll assume at this point. Unless somebody, unless you know that she's not 18, if she's not 18, tweet me at okay then princess and let me know. But I'm pretty sure she's fucking 18 because I just do not believe they would show her watching, they had so many shots of her watching the photo shoots. Also, they call, um, Bridget and Anastasia call her mom, their mom, who's giggling on the phone, just like, uh, Bridget. 
And she's like, oh, it's supposed to be sexy. And <laughs> I know how Anastasia got to the, uh, got to the Playboy Mansion now. Her mom sounds stupid too. So then they have a group shot. It's in the grotto. Um, Kendra's nude sunbathing, getting ready. I mean, she's, they, they've done a shot where they put a water bottle in front of her boobs and she's just got her legs spread. She's letting the sun hit where the sun don't shine. <laughs> she seems happy. I, I do not find, because I also, because I watched this second episode on Daily Motion, and it looks like a recording of the show on the air and not like last week where it looked like they had uploaded a DVD. Um, they're, still, they're blurred out. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't feel any kind of way about Kendra just being naked around the house. Again, Kendra has an incredible body. I'm sure she's, I'm sure it's fine. But one thing we should remember is that Holly's not allowed to be naked around the house. Kendra got, like I said, I keep saying Kendra was very much the youngest sister when, when your old ass parents, when your parents are too old to care about certain things, um, <laughs> you, oh, so on the first child, you got all these rules. You're like, you can't have your ears pierced till you're 13. These are arbitrary rules, by the way. I don't, I'm not giving my kids iPads till they're 10. And it's because fire tablets are, depending on when you get them, they can, you can get, a a refurbished one on sale for 35 bucks. You can get a brand new one on sale for, or, a brand new one, like not on sale for maybe 60. And that's very different than how much a fucking iPad costs. And like my three-year-old is throwing tablets. Like he's just throwing them. He doesn't have any regard for them whatsoever. Should he have one? Absolutely not. But he also really likes to play that, uh, that Sonic Dash game. And when I have to sit in a car for an hour and a half to exchange iPads, school iPads that didn't work with ones that do work. It's a lifesaver. He's really, he's very focused on it, but he's also has no concept of breaking things. Imagine if I was crazy enough to buy him a fucking iPad and I'm not. So I decided that you get an iPad when you're 10. That's a rule I can just make up because I'm a parent. And nobody in my house is going to be 10 at the same time. So that means I don't have to buy, I, I don't have to buy five iPads. I can buy one iPad every year and it can be used. It doesn't and, and it can be a thing that happens when you're 10. Um, I was telling Liz this about her nieces, um, about buying, um, American Girl dolls, which are expensive. I think they're about as expensive as a used iPad. <laughs> I don't know how much those things cost. But I was telling her that you figure out a year, a date, you know, if eight years old is fine. And that's a special thing you do when your niece, when each niece turns eight years old, that you pick out an, you pick out an iPad, you pick out an American Girl doll together. And it's because you're eight. And you've gotten to be eight, and this is a special thing you do with Aunt Liz. That's that's cool, and and so like parents have arbitrary rules like that all the time. You can't date until you're thirteen. You can't do whatever. And but here's the deal: you always you you usually keep the rules for the first one, maybe the second one. But the time you get to the third one, you're like, I don't give a fuck. 
I give a fuck about bedtimes. It's like that commercial with the Pampers. <laughs> I don't know the, the, the brand of Pampers, but uh, Pampers is a brand. But, you know, we, we say it like we say Q-tips. But <laughs> where they're like, the first mom, the first child, you, you're very choosy. The second child, you're like, whatever. And that's true. And especially as parents get older, like, you know what? I don't give a fuck what time you go to bed. Just get out of here. And I feel like that's kind of how Kendra's treated around there. Kendra doesn't have the same rules as Holly and Bridget. I think Kendra pushes. She asks for thing, which I think, excuse me, which I appreciate. People should ask for what they want. People should ask for what they need. And also she's younger and, and there's also a power dynamic in it. And that Hef can be like, yes to Kendra and no to Holly. And so Holly, he tells Holly not to walk around the house naked and Kendra's just prancing in the uh, lawn naked all the time. It is what it is. And they, and Bridget and, and it's not just this once cause they're doing the shoot. Bridget and Holly do say that, that Kendra's naked all the time and she doesn't care. It's cause his daddy boyfriend, grandpa lets her. That's why. Honestly, I probably wouldn't be surprised if he encourages her. I wouldn't be surprised if when the other two aren't there, he puts his hand, his old liver spotted, decrepit, gnarled with arthritis and evilness hand on her, on her young, supple knee and goes, sweetie kids, I love it when you walk around the house naked. You're so free. I'm like that holly. <laughs> She's uptight. And then they giggle together. And, um, and she does it more. And then Holly, <laughs> Holly's walking around <laughs> in some knee leaf skirt. He's like, yeah, hussy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, it was a power thing. That's, that's exactly why, why he did that. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about is that Bridget wants to wear a bikini. For the out for the grotto shoot, I guess they're doing it on the lawn and in the grotto and that that area. And she thinks she put the bikini in the laundry on Saturday night, and that they picked it up on Sunday. And I keep saying he's the head butler, but maybe he's the house manager. I'm not quite sure. Um, he's in charge, and he says to them, he says to she, he says, okay, you know, they get what they want, and. So he goes looking for this fucking bikini. He's all up in the laundry and shit. They're going through dirty clothes. They're, he's, she's, he's talking to the chick doing the laundry and she's looking like, fucker, I got about 20 minutes to I'm off. I got to drive all the way to Encino. I don't know where Encino is. No, that's not what she's saying. But you know what I'm saying? She's got to drive far away. She's got to cook dinner for her fucking family. She's out here uh, hand washing uh, thongs all day. She's tired. She don't see no fucking bikini. And so he's looking all over the place. And finally, he goes up to Bridget's room because, and guess what? It was never sitting in the laundry. It's up there. And he brings down the bikini to her, and she's like, oh, thanks for finding it. You know, not, not even kind of realizing that he's been up and through and all around this place looking for this fucking bikini. And it hasn't been washed, and, and she's like, would you mind? is it okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want it washed, I'll wash it. And I guess he goes down and hand washes it. Um, I don't know that she used that bikini. I didn't see her in it again. So maybe it's on a shot that's like in the magazine, but they didn't show on the TV show, but it's that type of shit. And that's what attracts you to the mansion. But 
I would have a very hard time acting that way. And Bridget is probably a little bit more cognizant of the way she acts rather than a Kendra is maybe even more than a Holly is. And I couldn't imagine trying to get that person to go find my dirty bikini so we can wash it so we could be in this fit. And I mean, who cares what fucking bikini I'm wearing, you know, but whatever. Um, there's also, there's also at this point, so I do the grotto scene with all three, but Bridget has to leave. Bridget has an exam. She's working on her second master's and she wants to have a PhD. I wonder what Bridget does with all this education. Much like Married at First Sight, Miles, someone who has so many degrees, I wonder what the end game is. Because a lot of, I mean, because getting a degree, you can have all kinds of reasons for it. It could be to get a job. It can be to be qualified to do something, to go to some other school. There's reasons, like there are multiple reasons to get a degree. And sometimes when you see someone who has like many, many degrees, it's like Lynn from Girlfriends who just like never left school. I think she finally left school in the last season or something. She just was a professional student. And she wanted to stay at the school. And I wonder, I wonder what Bridget does with all these degrees. Like now, what she does with them. Did she get her PhD and does she, and does she like use it for something? And this is one of those reasons I should probably read that boring ass book that she may or may not have written, but I'm not going to. So if you know, please tweet me at okay then princess. Um, <laughs> so... She's got to go. Her, there, she, she emailed her, I don't want to say professor because a professor is a, a specific title. She emails the person teaching her and asks if she can do the exam another way or she can do another day or reschedule it. And it's basically like no go. And because it's going later than it should. That's another thing. It feels like photo shoots always go later than they should because people are behind. And when you're working people like Kendra and it just it's just how it is. And so um, the answer is no. So she has to leave at some point to go and they want to do one more shot. They were actually done, but they wanted to do one more shot and it was in the bathhouse in the, in the shower. They want to do a shower scene and they just decided to do it with just Holly and Kendra. And you know, the shots come out good. They have the wet hair look, they look, their faces look good. Um, they're hot, they're, they're getting along. Uh, both Kendra and Holly said it really bonded them to, to work together like that because again, they don't have a lot in common. There's a lot of um, drama perpetuated by Hef and by them too, obviously. Um, three friends usually don't work that way, you know? Um, it can, but it's hard because there's always someone left out in a certain way. And so Bridget feels bad about this. Now, she's like crying in the confessional and she uses a slur to describe that she feels left out because there are three girls. You just got an individual and then there were group shots and now there will be group shots she's not in. So that means that she will get less pictures in the magazine than anyone, than the other two. And a big portion of their relationship, I'm using my bunny ears, 
with Hef has to do with fairness. And much like if you had three children and you gave two a popsicle and one didn't get one and there was no reason for it, it'd be really fucking hard. And so Bridget feels bad. Now, I want to talk about this because Bridget talks to Hef about it and this scene is fake. The fact is, by the time Bridget said something, the brown book had already come. The brown book is like, what is it? You've seen Devil Wears Prada. It is that book that you get that's the, what the magazine's going to be. The editor-in-chief like circles things, fixes things, and they send it back and then it's, you know, those notes are taken and then the final product is brought. So Hef gets the brown book um, and he, of every Playboy, issue of Playboy, even as he got older and he approved every picture, every piece, every, nothing, nothing got approved in Playboy without Hef's eyeballs on it and approving it. So by the time Bridget's, it wasn't the next day that Bridget said something. It wasn't even that week. It was after the pictures that had gone through everything and the book had been put together and that's when Bridget said something. Also, she did not, in this, in this episode, they have her like sitting on the floor, talk, playing with the cat and talking about their, their relationship and stuff. But that's not how it went. What happened was that Bridget asked to talk to, um, after the scene where they get the brown book and he shows them the picture, Bridget asked to, to speak to Hef. And the reason she did it is because one of the most prominent pictures in the brown book was a picture of Holly and Kendra in the shower in the grotto and Bridget wasn't in it. And they also had some other pictures and stuff and it just felt wrong to her. So she asked to speak to Hef off camera. She spoke to him aside, but they still had their mics on. So production took the conversation they had and put it over Hef and Bridget playing with the cat to make a show. Again, the product is the show, not the star's happiness, with the exception of Hef, who has, you know, full say over what's going to show and what isn't going to show. Um, so they go back to shoot it. And this is why Kendra looks mad. Kendra is mad because they did... This doesn't happen the next day. This happens weeks later. Kendra has already moved on from this shoot. Um, think about the way that they probably were starving themselves to look a certain way. And like the hype is gone. She doesn't want to, it's been done already. It was done. It was in the can. She's already seen the pictures and now they're redoing it. Um, so after they do this reshoot, there's like a throwaway scene with them like putting together ripped up pages of the thing. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But the, the one where they are, where Hef has brought them the brown book is fake as well because Holly already saw the brown book in Mary's office. She waited around looking for it in Mary's office. She, she got it when it came. She looked through it. Um, she definitely showed Bridget. I'm sure she showed Kendra too, but I mean, I don't know. And so they've already seen all those pictures. 
And this is another way you can tell this is shot out of order because when they open that book, one of the first pictures you see as they're flipping through it is a a shot of just Holly and Kendra. And if this had happened in the right order, that shot wouldn't be in there because it would be Holly, Kendra, and Bridget. But this is just, I mean, this is like nothing surprising if you kind of know anything about reality TV and and just the way, you know, they make the sausage, but this is how they have to do it. And well, it's not how they have to do it. It's how they do it. The fact is, is that you and I at home want a cohesive story. We want something quick that we can digest that makes sense to us that we don't have to not, not have to think about, but you understand that we don't have to question too much. That it's just like, no, that makes sense. That's how the story went. And some of this other stuff is, whether it's true or not, production doesn't think that we can digest it. And it's easier to put these these little quick little bow ties on it. The Kardashians are the same. Remember, this is on the same fucking network as the Kardashians. I think the Kardashians were already on it this time, right? Because the Kardashians have been on for 20 years. Is it 20 years? Pretty sure it's 20 years. Maybe it's, I don't know, close to that. So, but this is exactly how they do shit on the Kardashians too. Um, they're just making, they're just, I don't know. They're, they're, they're trying to give us a sleek, digestible, chewable product that we can just swallow real quick. I'm hungry. (laughs) As opposed to something that's a little tough to go down. That's, that's why they do it that way. And in particular, these girls didn't really have a choice. The production decides, executive producers decide, even, I mean, Hef did get um, his say on what would show up on the show. He could take things out. But even to that extent, it's not like, that. even that's a limited power. I mean, we talk about uh, LVP and Vanderpump rules all the time. And I just do not believe she has any power on that show. Besides the fact that, first of all, I hope the show's gone, but fine. If, if it's not, I hope it comes back better and different. And I feel like they're going to try to bring it back. And it's going to be different, but it's not going to be better. And then it's going to fucking die forever. They're going to try, but it's not going to work out. I feel like they should just let it go and be done with it. But anyway, over the years, we've just heard so much about... LVP, she's an executive producer, her name's on, but I just don't believe she has any power on the show. Like when that last, well, maybe it wasn't the last one, not last reunion. She didn't go to the last reunion. It's the last reunion Brandy was on. When Brandy is telling her, you put Sheena on your show, you do this, you do that, you mostly around the show. And Lisa's just looking at her and I'm, and I can tell she needs to say, I don't have control over who's on the damn show, but she can't say that. Cause then it'll make her look less. It'll make her make her image less. But the fact is she doesn't have any power on it. Otherwise, why the fuck is Kristen Doty still on the show? Well, not anymore, but the reason she's still on the fucking show is because Lisa has no control over who's on the show. What she has control over is her restaurants. And I bet she doesn't have much control over how they shoot in her restaurants. 
She doesn't, she can't fire anybody from the show. When the, when the shit came out about the fact that, uh, Stassi and Kristen had like been, well, mostly Kristen, but also Stassi had been following Faith around and calling the cops on her places and doing shit like that and calling the military to report her AWOL. You don't have to report someone AWOL to the military. The military will let you know. But, um, shit like that, um, and everyone's putting out their statements and stuff. Lisa is putting out a statement saying that she's like, you know, whatever the PR statement is. Lisa doesn't care about black people, guys. She and George Bush are the same. They don't care. She they they don't care about black people. <laughs> but she's putting out her PR statement, and people are like coming at her like, "You should have taken care of this a long time ago." I'm like, she couldn't have. <laughs> she does not have any control. She doesn't have any control of the show. Everything is like symbolic, and. I believe that half, ooh, I hit the mic again. Um, I believe, like, guys, I'm sitting here talking like Joe Pesci and, <laughs> and my cousin Vinny. <laughs> when when he's talking to the judge, <laughs> the judge who played uh, who played the old guy across the street on Pet Cemetery, when he's talking to that judge, and Marissa Tomei is is in the is in the court audience, and he's trying to explain. That's how I talk. My arms are up and around, and I'm getting an exercise workout right here. And I always bam hit the mic. I'm I gotta figure something else about this. But anyway, oh, Hef has more control over this show because he can say no to scenes than Lisa does. I don't think Lisa can say no to scenes. I don't think so. I think she probably had something in her contract saying that she would be in certain episodes, like a certain amount of episodes, but I don't think anything other than that, she has much control over things. I think every year when contract negotiations come up, she's got to try to get as much as she can out of that because that's her only power. And the moment they start talking about those people, not in the context of Vanderpump rules is the moment. Um, and not in the context of working at those restaurants, one's closed for good now, but, uh, is the moment she loses everything because they don't have to negotiate with her the next year because what for? We don't even need your, we don't even need your location. You take what we give you at this point. Your name's still on there. You can get like, you can get certain payments from like agreements that way, but it's not, it's not the same, dude. Anyway, so they're all looking at the Brown book. They're thrilled. Um, and they can, so the Brown Book's purpose is for Hef to look over everything, make changes, send notes, and they could have asked for some changes or mentioned some things, and none of them really do. The only exception is Kendra, who asked that, there's a, there's an, I haven't seen the layout, or maybe I saw it a long time ago, I haven't seen it in a long time. There's a picture where, I guess they're on a bed maybe. I don't know. They're doing something together and her legs are up in the air and you it's you can very clearly see her labia. And she asked for that to be like uh photoshopped out. Just that like you could see details. Like it um 
Like, I know some people listening to this will be like, well, you're already naked. What does it matter if somebody can see the lips of your vagina? But a lot of the way that the stuff is shot is very Disney-fied. And seeing details like that makes it more anatomical. And I can see how you, you wouldn't want that. Um, so Holly says that Hef circled Served her labia and said, you know, had for them to take it out. But what happened is that those original, or not original, because the untouched photos are the originals they took. The So these aren't untouched, but those original photos before that got photoshopped, like that brown book went up for sale, like auction or something like, and somebody owns it now complete with, a red circle <laughs> around um, uh, Kendra's labia and Hef's writing to take it out. <laughs> Presumably, um, Kendra still has her labia, you know, she's walking around with them right now. But anyway, I mean, that's the end. That's the end of the episode. Guys, um, please remember, if you are not a Patreon subscriber, now is a very good time to become one. You can go to uh, patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Um, there are bonus episodes. There's a lot of old bonus episodes next week. You guys are going to get a Princess Diaries episode as well as another True Life episode. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do. Maybe the Drunkorexia one. I think that might be interesting, but I'm, something else might catch my fancy. I only have three episodes left in that series, so, you know, get it while the getting's good. And just wish me luck, guys. It's Virgo season. And a bitch got to watch her back, you know? <laughs> All right. Till, until next week. Bye.